All right, guys, welcome into the Fantasy Life Podcast. And today we're talking matchups. It's me, Cooter Doodle, and we have the very own Chris Allen joining us in. And I got to say, I was going to say we don't have a special guest, but I kind of feel like in the air, there's like the ghost of all the fantasy teams that didn't make it, right? Yeah, that has to be the guest. Uh, either that or whatever pathogen is coursing through my body at the moment. Like, that is the special guest. Yeah, Chris uh, is on his on his flu game today. But. Yeah, this is definitely on my flu game today. Like, you can hear it in my voice. Uh, I was telling you before the show, I was told I sounded like Morgan Freeman uh, earlier today, uh, which uh, that was actually something of a compliment. That made me feel better. Uh, but either, either way, uh, I mean, we get paid to talk about fantasy football. So, I mean, you have to power through these types of things. So this is awesome. So let's let's get into these matchups. Like what we got on tap. Oh, the best one to go first. We got Dallas at Miami. And this week, Dolphins are only one point favorites over the Cowboys. Implied total of 49.5, which is the highest of the week. My most favorite game. I don't know about you, Chris. Um, when we talk about like teams that can score, teams that can fantasy wise bring your teams to maybe the championship these mm -hmm. are going to be players that you're going to be talking about so first i want to go with dak prescott let's just talk about him a little bit there's you know home splits away are we worried about that is there anything we should be thinking about when we're starting him so i was diving into that like when researching this game because i know a number of folks had talked about like these home road splits coming into last week's game and of course they get blown out by the bills who had like to give credit to them they had just like an excellent game plan in terms of running the football right into like the teeth of their defense just rolling right by uh, Micah Parsons. I mean, that is the way that you attack it. I think the Eagles had shown that they could do that uh, the week beforehand. DeAndre Swift had actually posted his third highest rushing success rate uh, against the Cowboys uh, just the week prior. Kenneth Gainwell actually at 100% success rate. So that means for every rush that Kenneth Gainwell actually attempted, he was generating a positive play by EPA measures like on every single rush that he attempted against the Cowboys. So the Bills saw that, they replicated it. As a result, we saw James Cook do what he did. But that home road split like for Dak, I mean, let, let's think about this for a second. I mean, like all, all things like have to have like a reason behind them. Like we can't just say like, oh, well, just because a guy's not at his home stadium that can't be the only reason why like he is not he is or isn't playing like up to his like standards and let's think about like the the, the defenses or players that he's played against or Dak has played against when he's on the road uh at the time when they were healthy like he played against the Eagles the first time like on the road and then he didn't play as well played against the 49ers like on the on the road uh the defensive coordinators that he played against uh he played against like Sean McDermott just this past week Brandon Staley yes Brandon Staley at times like if you give him the enough time and like the right game plan he can come out with, against a good team with the right game plan to neutralize most of their offense also kind of helps that he also had you know Kellen Moore uh, as well in order to like orchestrate some of that so it's just like the defenses and the units oh and also Jonathan Gannon like who again coming over from like the Eagles like down to Arizona they also put up like a fairly good game plan to neutralize a lot of what the Cowboys were doing so it's just like when you look at those matchups and you see the units or you see the coordinators that he or coaching units that he was going up against you can see why some of those things like started to happen it's not just the fact that they're not playing in Jerry's world we're hearing the here we go you know every you know every other play like that sort of thing so i can get why his passing success rate drops from like 54 percent like down to 42 percent like his epa drops from like 0.29 which is like up there with like the patchwork Holmes, the josh Allen's of the world all the way down to 0.01 fantasy points per game definitely like goes in the tank like 25 per game at home versus like 14 like on the road so it's just like home road splits i think is is fine to say but it becomes something of a uh it becomes like an easy narrative before just saying okay well it's not just home road splits it's also going up against good defensive coordinators which in this case going up against Vic Fangio and the Miami Dolphins like he also has a tough test in week 16. so you're saying it doesn't just have to do with like if they're wearing the same underwear from the week before that's disgusting. Like, I don't know. Like, is it Mahomes know, the guy? Yeah, right? Mahomes does that. And I was just like, when I heard that, brother, like, you, you don't have to admit that out loud. Like, you're getting paid so much money. Let's bring let's bring secrets back in 2024. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I know it's like, it, 
I know, like we we try and like we we want to be open. We want to like try and you know like use like our even our own platforms as like a, almost like maybe a mode of therapy. We don't have to do all that. Like I I don't th I think that's a bit too much. I would agree, but you know who I think hasn't been changing his underwear is CD Lamb. I want to talk a little bit about this Dallas offense. Did you like that segue, by the way? That was a so, damn smooth, segue. right? Smooth. So let's talk about Dallas because CD Lamb since November twelfth, so the last six games. He's caught a touchdown in all but one, right? Mm -hmm. And then six games on the season, he's had 100-plus yards. So I feel like he's the guy this year, at least this season. We talked last week about him maybe even being like a um, fantasy MVP, right? Are we having any doubts this week with C.D. Lamb? At not, all. Not, not, not at all. Uh, not just at from all. A, a volumetric standpoint, like CD Lamb has been like the main target getter from Dak Prescott. I think what was the stat? I think we were talking about the Dallas game like last week. Like CD Lamb mm -hmm. has had like 10, like 10 catches, not 10 targets in what, like five of his last mm -hmm. seven games or something along those lines. I think the stat was uh, some from a volume standpoint. Yes, like he should be like locked and loaded in your lineup, like no problem. And I know that going up against like Jalen Ramsey and the, the Miami's defense and all that like poses something of an issue. But we have seen like uh like other teams like actually try and force the ball like to their wide receiver one. Uh, Patrick Mahomes did it like that's when we saw like Rashi Rice I think pop up for a fairly solid game like when they played the Dolphins and that was with uh, Ramsey like uh, I think it was the second game back I want to say that was around week nine. But the Dolphins' defense is one that actually does shut down the middle of the field. So uh, actually, Patrick Mahomes' pass to the perimeter or outside of the numbers on 40% of his passes, which is about like 10 to 12 percentage points down from a seasonal average, just around like 52, 53%. So if Dak has to pretty much like tap into his 2022 self, like fitting uh, balls into like tight windows, like being that aggressive type Dak that we liked it was like a double-edged sword right like we liked it when he was doing that liked when he's being aggressive but then that's when the errant throws would turn into interceptions that might be what it takes in order to get by this miami uh, miami dolphins defense so from cd lamb's perspective i think he should be like he should be absolutely fine uh, we've seen it in previous games i think it was in the first matchup against the eagles his slot rate actually did tick down to around 50 percent versus the 60-ish percent that he typically averaged like throughout the season. So if he's the one that's moving outside, uh, actually challenging either Jalen Ramsey or Eli Apple uh, for, for targets, I mean, I think that does set up for him to have at least a decent day from a, from a volume standpoint. And then if he can hit an explosive because we know Dak is going to want to target him as much as possible, it's going to be him. Maybe Brandon Cooks for for an explosive here and there, and Jake Ferguson. Those will be the only real pass catchers like from Dallas. I'm willing to trust in Week 16. Yeah, and kind of moving towards you know rushing, we have Tony Pollard, who I know Miami on the season is ranked ninth against the running back position. So that makes me a little wary. You look back at his stats, and he's around the 50, 60 yards on average per game. But the touchdowns haven't really been there. Do you think he scores this week? I know that's kind of a big question to ask, but how comfortable are you starting Tony Pollard? Uh, I think Pollard, he he falls into the RB1 role and that RB1 tier just for the role. Like he's still getting like over 50% of the team's carries, uh, like a healthy target share, like 12-ish percent if memory serves. So I think just from a volume standpoint, like he's the one, like he's an RB that you you can't replace. Mm -hmm. uh, if you if you tried to find a guy in a better situation, it's like you can't really bank on that type of volume. But to your point, I mean, the Dolphins like haven't been like all too great in terms of allowing other pass catcher or other running backs rather uh, to get by them. So it's just I I do have some concerns about like what his upside is going to be like for for this game. I can see him just having. You know, maybe safe floor comfy yeah that's yeah. that's exactly it it's it's going to be more of the he gets you maybe 10 11 points so let's say like maybe 50 yards on the ground and then maybe it goes like three for 30 as a as a pass catcher i think that would be probably like a fair uh, like a fair stat line for him but if they do wind up like i said uh getting into the red zone uh getting like inside the 10 he is the one that gets most of those carries and you know, rico doddle like he he you know he uh, mixes in and out, but I think he's uh, been on the injury report like throughout like part of this week. So if Pollard does get all of that role, I mean, he could have that, you know, low, like, you know, safe-ish floor, like for an RB two-ish, like somewhere in there. But then if he can like punch it in, that's what we need from him. 
Yeah. And so, I mean, like we said earlier, this is the highest scoring total on the week. We know that we've got guys on that side of the ball. And just to kind of talk about fantasy life's rankings, CD Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Raheem Mostert, and Tony Pollard, all four of them with our rankings are top 15 overall. So this is a big game wow. fantasy wise. Yeah. Um, and just to kind of switch over to Miami side of things, I mean, you have Tyreek Hill. It looks like he was practicing today, right? That was the most recent update. Yep. Hopefully he's playing and there's no injury there, but him and Waddle, do you are you comfortable starting Waddle too, even if if Hill's healthy? I mean, I feel like after last week, it's hard to sit him. And that's exactly it. I mean, I think the biggest question for me coming into last week was what is the Dolphins offense going to look like without Tyreek Hill? And while I assumed Waddle would be like the wide receiver one for that group, it's how much are the other guys going to factor into the offense? Like, are we going to see Cedric Wilson? Are we going to see Durham Smythe? Are we going to see Braxton Berrios? Like insert name here. And it was just all Jalen Waddle, like over a 34% target share, almost 90% of the team's air yards went to Jalen Waddle last week. That makes, I mean, that just like that stat, like on its own, just makes like no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, I can, I get, like, I understand uh, the target portion. I understand like absorbing most of Tyreek Hill's role, bumping up like some of his own and the getting to that target share. But the fact that once Tua was able to drop back to pass and actually throw downfield, the only person that was one capable of getting open to and earned and like and to earn a target from from Tua was Jalen Waddle. That's it. Everything mm-hmm. else, Durham Smythe like got a few looks. Cedric Wilson, I think he had almost a flat like a flat line, absolute zeros across the board. Like Braxton Berrios mixed in, and you know Raheem Mostert and Devin uh, Devin Acham also worked in in the passing game. Like those guys got some targets, but it was all short like all short area of the field work. So it's just like to get all of that work and be as productive as Waldo was last week. I mean, I guess from a narrative standpoint, uh, I think what to uh, not to a Tyreek needs to average over 140 receiving yards per game over his next three in order to break 2k. Mm-hmm. So if they want to push for that and Tyreek is capable of being on the field and like doing all of that, then okay, cool. I can see how like they might want to just try and like, you know, Let's let's like, you know, let's do what we can in order to get Hill to that point. I don't think that's the case, but still, I think if uh, like regardless with the way that Waddle played last week, how productive he was on the touches he got. I mean, if you've got him, you have to start him this week. Yeah. And look, to go to the narrative speak, McDaniels is so much fun. Like he he's making me a Miami's fan at this point, Miami fan. But like, did you see the clip where he was? on the sideline and they're about to have a play and he's like, I want to make this a one play drive, one play drive, you know, and he's talking about it. And then Waddle goes in. You could tell he's just like, yep, called it set. You know what I mean? I feel like he's such a, um, he's got like the bug of like, Ooh, this would be fun that I feel like he might try to get the 2k for Tyreek. You know what I mean? I I think so. I I almost want to say like he dances on that edge of, like a yeah. little bit of fun, a little bit yeah, of chaos. A little bit of fun. Yeah, it's just like, you know, I know I need him for the playoff run, but it'd be really cool if really like, cool if, you he know, did. If, if he broke the 2K. It's just like, he, you know, it, like I don't think. So let's say like it's the first quarter mm-hmm. and Tua throws a bomb and it's like, you know, he gets like the fifth, like, you know, Tyreek Hill does his like, you know, his Tyreek Hill thing and does like, the, you know, the 50 yard touchdown thing. And then it's like the second quarter and, you know, the game is still competitive. Hill gets like maybe a few more, like racks up maybe like 100 yards and, and all of that. And it's the fourth quarter. Game isn't as competitive anymore because like the Dolphins have pulled away like from, from the Cowboys. I feel like Mike McDaniel would be that guy to be like, all right, we'll just give him like two more catches. Mm-hmm. You know, just make sure that he's on pace for it and then get him mm-hmm. out. I, yep. I I feel like he'd be, the, but like if it's a complete blowout, it, yeah, you know, I, I don't safe. think he'd do that. Yeah. yeah, I think so. If it's competitive and it all works within the flow of the game, I think Mike McDaniel would be like, yeah, let's let's push it. Let's you know make sure that he you know and he gets it. But if it's not competitive at all, I could see like yeah, if he gets like his sixty yard touchdown or they they do what they need to do, then it's just like yeah, we got to pull him. Yeah, I could see I could see that. That makes yeah. sense. I just, I'm hoping, I want everybody to have fun, everybody to score, right? Everybody score the points, do the thing. I know, I know. Before we move on, though, let's talk a little bit about running backs in Miami. 
I mean, Mostert has been on, he's been a touchdown machine. A-Chan earlier in the, the season, he was a touchdown machine. Not as much right now. Do you yeah. play him this week against the Cowboys? I still think that you play him against the Cowboys uh, because it was the same. I think while Mostert has been involved in the passing game, uh, I think he has uh, like, what is it? Like averaging about like a 5% like target share, like over the last like three weeks. It's the same type of uh, archetype of running back that actually like blew past uh, the Cowboys defense that really suits more of A-Chan like than, than Raheem Mostert. Because think about it, it was James Cook, the guy that can run like legitimate like fade routes and actually like beat not just uh, like linebackers, but also run by safeties like in the receiving game, like for, for a touchdown. The week beforehand, when I was talking about like DeAndre Swift, like while Mostert can also let like, still like break off explosives uh, in in that regard, but just think about like how speedy, how quick, how agile mm -hmm. like it looked like for him. So it just feels like it, like from from a from a look standpoint, from a subjective standpoint, it does feel like a guy like Achan is more suited for for this matchup. At least if they're going to attack it in the exact same way, like where it's okay, fine. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, you know, maybe let Tua do his thing on early downs because they do pass at one of the higher rates in the league uh, in neutral situations on early downs. But then once they get into like, all right, if we're going to do a run or do a pass or whatever, you want your speedier or quicker uh, running back in order to take over afterwards. And that kind of suits HN a bit more. So I do think uh, in this matchup, since HN is the, uh, is the passing down back, uh, it's earning more targets than both uh, Mostert and Wilson so far. Like I would still keep him in my lineup just for those explosives. And it does look mm -hmm. like he was able to make it to practice uh, back to practice today. So if you do have him, like I would still roster him and I still would start him this weekend. All right. So a lot of fantasy goodness this week from at least this matchup, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so let's see. You want to talk about wins? I'll go first. So I'll, I'll just, right. that way you can decide if we're sweeping or not. Okay. I'm going to call the Cowboys. I think they're going to make it happen. I don't. I think both teams are going to ball out, but I think Cowboys take it. Now, see, I, I see. I almost had a feeling you'd say Cowboys. Did you? Because if if the Dolphins lose, that makes it easier for Josh Allen to get into oh. the playoffs. So it's like I, I've seen mm. what you're doing here. I, I mm. see what you're doing. Uh, I also, I also have to give it to the Cowboys here. All I, right, I think, I think they're capable of uh, of figuring this out. Uh, and then like Dak comes out and has like one of his like signature games and it's, it's more of a closer matchup, like a, let's say 27, 24, 31, 27, like some, somewhere mm -hmm. in there, like, but I need it to be high scoring. I will oh, say yeah. that because I want to say like the last like two matchups of the weeks that, that I've, I've written up, it's just been all this hype. And it's not to say like I'm the only one hyping this stuff up. Like we've talked about. Oh it yeah, consensus like, hype. Yeah, yeah it's, it's consensus hype. It's not just me. Like don't get me wrong, but it, they always winds up being a dud. Like last week it was going to be, you know, it was Prescott versus Josh Allen. It's Bills versus the Cowboys. It's going to be like in the cold at Orchard Park. It's going to be, all, and then it's just like like 31 to 13. Like <laughs> what? Are, what are we doing, guys? So we got to do better than this. So yeah, I need I need like a a fast tempo, high paced high scoring affair like down in Miami this weekend. Like I, I just need it to happen. It feels like this is the week for it to happen with all these guys that are just, like I said, top 15 players. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good week. It's a good week for our fantasy teams. I, I feel it. I feel, I feel it. it. I feel it. Now yeah. I don't want to like flip flop on us, but let's talk Arizona and Chicago who yeah. So a little bit of a switch up here. So the Bears are four-point favorites over the Cardinals with a total of 43.5. But, like, let's talk about these teams. Arizona is 3-10. and 10. They're fourth in the NFC West. Chicago's 5-8. and eight. They're fourth in the NFC North. What's been going on with these offenses, Chris? Like, what, what's been happening here? I, okay. So I'll, I'll say I'll, I'll flip it back on you real quick. Okay. Like, just to, just to uh, set people up because – if you were rostering anybody from the, the Arizona side, mm -hmm. are you comfortable rostering? Like, are you comfortable starting anybody from the Arizona Cardinals? Like from the, let's say just from their pass catcher core. We'll just say that. Pass? Any of their wide receivers for, for no. Arizona? No, the only name that I have right now is McBride. That's where I'm comfy. 
That's it. Well, and let's, let's let's flip it around to the other side. What about Chicago? You you are you are you really excited to to roster Darnell Mooney? He of the dropped Hail Mary. Like are, are like are you excited to do that? Equinemius St. Brown. You got him on any of your playoff rosters? You know, excited <laughs> might not be the word there. It might Vegas not. Be. Jones, anybody? Nothing. <laughs> Insert insert crickets, please. Ah, okay. Crickets and pin drops. Ah, so, <laughs> so sad. But I mean, look, we've time and time again seen these teams where we feel this going in and we're like, oh, it's kind of like the womp, womp. And it's yeah. a good game. It's a high scoring game. It's a fantasy game. So, I mean, it's not the worst total of the week. It could go that direction. Um, the, the, the most that I've heard, even in my home league, my friends, my husband, is a lot of, do I start Kyler Murray or do I start Kyler Moore, Murray or this guy? So yeah. where's he ranking for you? Because currently in our fantasy life rankings, he's ranked right behind Golf and Stafford, and he's okay. ranked right above Mayfield and Love. Do you feel like that's the sweet spot? Would you kind of change that a little bit? Yeah, I think that's that's the sweet spot right there because it just look at his stats. I mean, his stats tell us like right there. Like how is he how many games has he even crossed like 250 passing yards in a single game? I don't think not a one. Uh like passing touchdowns, how many multi-passing touch how many multi-touchdown passing games has he had? Like I think one, I think I was that gonna was say not game. many. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the the his very first game back. His rushing has been there, like which is great. We expect it to be, and that's awesome that it's there, like coming off, uh, coming off of the ACL tear. But if he's not connecting with his his wide receivers, like downfield, Marquise Brown, like still isn't healthy. I think Michael Wilson that just come back from a stint, like uh, like missing a couple of games. Uh, like uh, who else? Greg Dortch, Rondale Moore. I mean, none of these guys that are attached to the Kyler Murray passing game. We're not rostering them. So if we're not if we're not interested in them from a fantasy standpoint, I think it almost begs the question: Why should we be interested in Kyler Murray outside of the rushing? So I do think that he fits like his ranking right now kind of fits like where he's like how he's played so far since he came back from the ACL tear. So I think I'm fine with it. Okay, well then let's move on to the I guess shining star of the week on that side of the ball, McBride. I mean, he's one of the guys that's getting you wide receiver numbers, right? He's getting seven, eight. 10 catches a game, his touchdowns yeah. are kind of sprinkled in there, right? But I looked at it and he's ranked seventh and at the position, tight end position for receptions. He's ranked sixth at the position for targets and sixth in yards. And then this week he's going up against the Bears who are ranked 28th against tight ends. So right. like we just touched on, he's the guy you're starting on this offense, right? Yeah, 100%. I think he'd be the only one, maybe outside of James Conner, we can have a conversation about him if you want. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the only two reliable guys. I mean, think about it. So uh, let's see, Kyler Murray's been back for what, five games, if I'm thinking right? I think mm -hmm. five games that Kyler Murray's been back. Trey McBride has 45 targets like from Kyler Murray. No other pass catcher on the team has more than 24. Like it's just yeah. like he is he is like head and shoulders above the rest of the Arizona like pass catching group. And so with like the way that he's been able to completely separate himself from that group while still maintaining a healthy air yard share, I mean, top six, I believe, in air yard share amongst all uh, amongst all tight ends uh, since Kyler Murray came back. I think like he like he has really shown out like as the as like the one of the premier tight ends in the league like so far. So I think like it's just it's him and pretty much I, I can't reliably I wouldn't reliably recommend like any of the other wide receivers like for week 16. Well, then moving on to running back then. So let's talk about James Conner. Is he an RB one this week? How do you feel about starting him? Yeah, I think like Connor, like for the role that he has, like in that offense, it's been the same role that he that became uh, so lucrative for fantasy, like almost a year or two ago. Like he's going to get like most of the touches once they get inside the 10 yard line, still involved in the passing game around like an eight ish percent target share. Uh, so we saw actually get him. Uh, he got a few looks from Kyler Murray just this past week. Uh, like and that's what wound up actually i think he wound up scoring a touchdown like last week so while uh the bears have been a bit more stout and on their run defense especially after the trade for montez sweat which has really paid off like so far uh if they are like if colin murray is able to run or pass them into the into the red zone or into the green zone i mean james connor like like he 
readily benefits from that type of scenario. So I do think that if you are rostering him, I mean, how many other RB2s or like like low-end RB2s, high-end RB3s can you really say like have a similar type of upside? And I think that's like fairly few at, at this point. So I do think that James Conner like should be like really in that like top 24-ish discussion for uh, for this weekend. Yeah, and I feel like we we say this almost every week, but with injuries and all these other things going on, and now it's you're you're down to the wire, right? You're in your either semifinals or whatever it may be in your playoffs. Yeah. It's a big game. He's safe enough, right? Of all the yeah. running backs out there, he's safe enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely safer than any of the Bears running backs. I mean, <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Let's move on to the Bears. How are we feeling about anyone right here? DJ Moore, Cole Komet, Justin Fields. Are we comfortable? I mean, I know Arizona's allowing a good bit, you know, on the running back and quarterback side of things as far as points go. Are you feeling comfy there with any of these players? Not at all. None of them. <laughs> okay. I, 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 want, I want none of it. I want none of it. <laughs> but like, so let's say Justin, uh, Justin Fields has been back for four games, five games. I forget how many games he's been back for so far. Uh, but in that in that stretch, so Dante Foreman has two starts, like by at least according to Pro Football Reference, like which again, like you can that can maybe like change things. I think they just look at like who is the first running back out there, like to get the first touch. But Dante Foreman has two starts. Khalil Herbert has one start, and Roshan Johnson like played most of the snaps just this past week. Mm-hmm. So it's like even the Bears are kind of like trying to cycle through like how many like you know all of their all of their running backs at this point. I think Herbert probably has like the the most upside because he has been the one to work uh like work in the passing game. Uh but again it's just I can't I wouldn't want to have like my playoff hopes like riding on one of those running backs especially when Justin Fields is just as liable to run it himself like if they are to make it like inside the red zone. So I just Unless you're completely desperate uh, and like you're completely stuck because you have injuries, let's say if you had like, I don't know, if you had Keaton Mitchell like on your roster from this past week and you're, and you're stuck with one of these three guys, uh, I mean, I think Herbert, I think Herbert or uh, Foreman, I think are the easiest ones that like uh, to um, to push to the side. Roshan Johnson, just because I'm thinking from a narrative standpoint, if they're trying to play for 2024, you know, like mm-hmm. try want to evaluate this roster, see what they got in their players, like that sort of thing. Maybe that's why they played him a bit more in week 15. So I do think he might have like the most upside of of uh, of the three, but it's still it's just a tough out to try and figure out like who's going to get the most uh, the most play out of out of that trio. My favorite thing that you just said, and I don't think you meant it as the slight that it was, but you said if they get in the red zone. Yeah, if they yes, yeah, <laughs> if, if they, they even make it zone. there. Yeah, if they make it there. Oh, all right. So maybe this is just a moot point, but who are you getting here? I'm going Cardinals for the win. What you got, Chris? Give me, give me a Jonathan Gannon cringe lord, the guy that was asking people. You know, remember the off season thing where he's asking people if they got on the bus to go to work this morning? Like, the oh yeah, you got got a fire in your gut. You got a fire in your gut. Yeah, remember, like all that. Belly. Yeah. Cringe Lord himself, Jonathan Gannon. Like, give give him another win. Why why not? All right, give, all right. And make and make it such that. Because also, let's think, let's take a step back. Like, while the Bears, I think, are still in the playoff picture, I think it's like a long shot, but they still have a chance to get They're not eliminated, I don't think. Yeah. Right. So it's like, but they need to lose. Like, you need to lose. Just be done. Just just be done. Go for the pick. Uh, let's 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 move on from Maddie Berflus and company. Let's move on from Justin Fields, and then let's just start fresh next year. You know, let's we don't we don't need these wins. Like you you, you don't need like let's do the the Jedi mind. You don't need these wins like yeah. for, for this weekend. You don't you don't like need that guy these. in fantasy who's like talking trash from the loser bracket. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, just it, lose out. Just wait yeah, next just, year. Just start over. Start. It'll over. all be better. You know, it'll be it'll like it's all it'll all be over soon anyway. It's just week it's week sixteen. Just like a few more games shh, left. Shh, shh. It'll it's all be over soon. Shh. Oh, it's almost over. It's almost over. Oh, goodness. All right. Before we move into some better days, better matchups, let's give some love to DraftKings. Look, the countdown to Christmas has begun and Fantasy Life is teaming up with DraftKings to give you a gift that I know will put you in the holiday spirit. Right now, new customers who download the DraftKings app and use promo code FANTASYLIFE, all you have to do is bet $5 and you'll get $150 in bonus bets instantly. It's a great way to put a little extra jingle in your pocket. So download DraftKings 
sign up and use the fantasy life promo code the crown is yours but if you've already signed up for DraftKings, don't sweat it you can do a no sweat bet which will get you a bonus bet back if your same game parlay or same game parlay x bet doesn't hit max reward limits apply and if you're let's say a fan of multiple teams and you want to bet on all of them well you can combine your bets together for a shot at an even bigger payout so that sounds great but some of you guys can't do sports betting right so if sports betting is not yet available in your state don't worry, you can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. Just download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. New customers who use our promo code FANTASYLIFE bet $5, will get $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code FANTASYLIFE only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, that aside, let's move on. You ready, Chris? Let's do it. Indianapolis and Atlanta. And look, as a Saints girly, we're going to talk about Atlanta a little bit and what I'm rooting for. You can probably already guess. But <laughs> Atlanta, they're Spoiler two alert. and a half point favorites over Indianapolis with a total of, I must have written this wrong. I have 4.5. That must be 40.5 point total. Um, it. It's got to be. Um, but there's a lot of drama in this game, right? And as a Saints fan, I've been loving it. I love to see the teams fall apart when it's not my own, right? Yeah. Um, Ritter's benched. Pittman yep. has a concussion. JT yep. might be back. Yep. And then Bijan, we can talk about that, right? Um, so, yeah, let's talk. What's what's happening here? Do we want to talk running backs first? Do we want to talk Bijan? Do we want to talk? I mean, let's, well, we, that means we have to talk about Arthur Smith, don't we? Let's do it. Let's do I mean, it. What is he doing? Well, what is, what is, what is up with this guy? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand. Like, the, the thing that he was brought in to do. And the thing that he showed that he was capable of doing last year without B. John Robinson was that he could create like just these elaborate and efficient offensive game plans. These, these running plans like with it was like, oh, I'll, I'll, you know, I've got I've got Kyle Pitts. I got Tyler Algier. I've got Drake London. And, uh, you know, and then when he was even running with Marcus Mariota, like he was just doing these high like play action i think marcus mariota had like a 45 like a over a 40 percent like play action rate just like last season and they were like top three in the league in epa per play i mean the rushing success rate was through the roof like everybody really enjoyed seeing tyler algier like come on towards the back end of the season because we saw not just the power but the efficiency along with like within that running game it was like okay so it was just like run run pass like run run pass run, run, pass, and like run, run, shot play. Like it was, that's that's all the offense was last season. And it was cool. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't all that great for fantasy, right? Because it was like, all right, we saw like hints of what Drake London could be. And it was like, oh, okay, well, Desmond Ritter came on towards the back end of the season. So maybe give him a summer to develop. And it's like, oh, okay, but Kyle Pitts got hurt. So it's like, oh, give him the summer to get right. And then maybe the offense will be even better. And now, oh, we're going to add in Bijan Robinson, who's just like stellar, running back prospect who can catch and he can like be powerful so he can be like saquon barkley plus 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 and they're even worse how are <laughs> how, how are you worse like they are i mean they, i think they're bottom 10 in rushing success rate bottom 10 in rushing epa per play like they've they've gone backwards in in every metric arthur smith said or at least like not even like not verbally but showed us on the field that they were just capable of doing it's like oh i i'm so good i'll just go out and i'll get mac hollins and uh you know i'll, I'll still have John, i'll get johnny smith and like all these other guys and like didn't they trade for van jefferson at some point or am i misremembering that but either way it's like i'm just going to get this gaggle of players together and just screw all the fact like all the draft capital that i spent on well, not to him specifically, but him and Fontenot and like the, the front office, like, well, I'll just forget all of that that we spent on the, you know, Drake London and B. John Robinson, because we're going to make Johnny Smith a thing. We're going to do pass plays or we're going to do handoffs or like pitch plays to Cordero Patterson in the red zone in week 15. Uh, we'll give B. John Robinson his fewest touches of the season, sans the headache game, uh, you know, like while we're trying to fight for the playoffs in the rain. Uh, like what what is going on like I, I really don't understand the the thought process or like maybe it's hubris like i have no idea i but feel like just, he's he's the definition of like never let them know your next move it, 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 well and nobody does and i don't even think he does because it just winds <laughs> up backfiring in his face because they wound up losing to the freaking carolina panthers 
Yeah. Hey, look, I'm not complaining. They're one win behind the Saints, barring the game tonight <laughs> as we record against, you know, the Rams. Go Saints, hopefully. Go Saints. But like, yeah, it's been a wild. I mean, even last, let's go back last season. NFC South alone was just, you know, all the memes of the the fire and the dumpster and everything. It's just feels a little bit the same. There's something yeah. going on here. Um, so yeah, I don't feel good about it. Like it's it's weird to think back to the off season when you draft these guys like Kyle Pitts or like Bijan Robinson, and you feel good about the talent, and then to see that kind of go to waste, right? Yeah. It's it's very upsetting. And just looking at our fantasy life rankings, Bijan consensus, he's 17 overall, but then it kind of drops. We got Jonathan Taylor, 21 overall, and then drops Drake London, 61 overall. So I guess we should start talking about the other side of the ball here. Do we want to talk Colts? I mean, you have guys like Josh Downs, who's had 17 total receptions in the last six games. You have Alex Pierce, who's had even less. I mean, next year, what are, what's the outlook for these guys? For I, at least the pass, pass catchers. Yeah. So, like for Josh Downs specifically, I was having a conversation with uh, our, our colleagues uh, at Fantasy. Like, I hate saying the word colleagues. There are friends. There, there are friends, daggone it. Uh, so, Dwayne McFarlane and Ian Hart. It's just about like the rookie class uh, for the from 2023. And I know, like, if you stack up like the the headliners, like the the Tank Dells and the uh, the Zay Flowers, the Jordan Addisons, and like the Jaden Reeds of the world, I mean, those guys, like, really, like they they're like the 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 the, the cream of the crop, like from this class. But Josh Downs isn't too terribly far behind. I know that he's been hampered by a knee injury that he suffered, I think, about a month ago, but it wasn't too long ago. I want to say around like week six, seven, eight. Uh, that he was one of like the top waiver wire ads. Like uh, he mm -hmm. was like had over like a 20% like targets per route run rate. He was really battling with Michael Pittman in terms of like who could be like the uh, the wide receiver two in that offense. And I think for a time, like might've been just maybe a two week stretch. Uh, he was really operating as like almost a one B to Michael Pittman's like, you know, one A like that, that sort of situation. But now whether it's the knee injury, whether it's Gardner Minshew, like really uh, trying to like push the ball downfield a bit more, uh, Alec, Pierce, I keep saying like Alex Pierce, so I have to like really pronounce like the C in his <laughs> name. Uh, like Alec Pierce, like getting more of the downfield looks. I think he has over like 30% of the team's air yards over the past like few weeks. So like I like I would like downs more if Pittman wasn't playing. Uh, but I think Pittman was actually upgraded to a full participant in practice today, which is bonkers to me after seeing that hit that he took by uh, Casey uh, on uh, just like what, five days ago, six mm -hmm. days ago. I mean, I would have just like spontaneously combusted on the field had I taken a hit like that, but I would have liked downs and PPR leagues a bit more just from the fact that he runs like more from the slot has already shown to be a high target earner. And so I would have taken downs and said like, all right, we'll toss him into your flex wide receiver three position. Shoot. Maybe toss in Alec Pierce just for the downfield shots if you are super desperate. But now with Pittman looking to be back uh, with the amount of targets that he has been earning, almost like what, 27, 28% like target share, if not higher uh, over the past few weeks, I think Downs then now falls back into the probably like the low end wide receiver two, maybe high end wide receiver three. And then Pierce is just somebody that, again, that that is a desperation play like at best. So I think that's that's the way I probably rank or at least try and tier like each of those guys for week 16. Oh, wow. So if you're starting Alec Pierce, um, good luck. Gotta get him yeah, I got to get him out. Hope yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you have some kind of like fourth place, you know, payout. I don't know what to say. Good yeah. luck. Um, what about Atlanta though? Anybody you're comfortable, excited, is excited too much to say to start this week? Drake London. Uh, if I, if I had to, I mean, Taylor Heineke at least has been shown that he can lock on to his wide receiver one. I think with, uh, when he was still in Washington, he made like Terry McLaurin, at least some like a bit like as fantasy relevant as he could be with his pop gun arm. So if there was like at least one pass catcher like out of that group, uh, like it's not like I'm gonna go out and try. We're not. I'm not doing the Kyle Pitts thing anymore. I can't do it. Can't I can't do it do again. It. I can't. I can't do it. I'm just not gonna do it anymore. Like it's gonna take me. I will not. I probably won't be in on Kyle Pitts until like 2025. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna. I just. I need to. I need to take a step back. I need to see him with other people. I need to see him happy with other people. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I'll, I'll welcome back. I'll welcome him back with open arms in 20. Yeah. Let him be his own person, you know? Yeah. 
you know, I think let that's, fall I, in love. Yeah. And someone yeah. else. And then Better if it, to have loved than have lost, you know, yeah. like that's that sort of thing. Just let them let them be with other people. And then maybe in 25 we can talk again. But I think it's just Drake London. I think that's it. Because we already know that the passing volume is going to be limited, uh, like for the Falcons anyway. Their drop back over expectation rate has been negative in three of their last four games. Uh, then they ran super run heavy against Carolina. That was mostly because of the elements, I would assume. But still, if Arthur Smith is still going to call like a run heavy game, the hope would really be that he leans more into Bijan, tries to redeem himself and give Bijan more touches. And then really the only other uh, like receiving option that we would have like would be Drake London. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and just put it in stone here. You know who I'm rooting for, the Colts. Yeah, we know. We know. Same for you, or got a little I hope mean, for Arthur I, Smith. I I have to root for the Falcons because then do if, you? If the Colts lose, that helps my Bengals playoff chances because oh, you know, the AFC playoffs. Come, come on, I just, okay. I, so what you're saying is you think the Colts are going to win, but you're just trying to manifest that. They, I got it. I got it. I got it. There we go. So, so we're on the so if we're on the same wavelength same. that we you know you know where we're at then. You know All right. We're at. All right. All but right. on paper. You got yeah. the Falcons. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to another team that is, you know, one of my no-nos. Let's go Jacksonville and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. All right. Tampa Bay is a two-point favorite over Jacksonville. 41 and a half total. Like I said, I mean, at the end of this, you know who I'm rooting for. You know who I'm rooting against. But let's talk a little bit about Trevor Lawrence. We know that things have been kind of iffy. They haven't been what people have expected. Um, before I throw it over to you, Chris, though, I just want to say, mm -hmm. I know people think Trevor's been a little overrated, okay. but if you look at his numbers, and I've looked at him, okay? I know I know look you're the, the numbers, numbers guy, but I looked look at, at the, the numbers. numbers. He's ninth in yards at quarterback. He's tied 16th for touchdowns. I know that's not like, I mean, it's meh, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. he has 10 interceptions, but guess who has more? Who Josh has more? Allen has 14. Patrick Mahomes has 13. The, the Josh Hurts Allen? Has yeah, and Jalen Hurts is 12. So, I mean, like, is he overrated or is it just that our expectations were a little too high when he came into the NFL and what happened? Like, You know what I mean? Like, is he overrated? I, I don't know. Is it just that he's having a just a meh year? Uh, I mean, I think it's a, a bit of a, a bit of all of those things. All of the above? I think, I think I think a lot of things can be true simultaneously. Uh, could we have set the bar high for a guy that was claimed to be like the best uh, quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck? Yes, I can. Could we have done that as a as a football watching community? Absolutely. Um, but what could also be true? Uh, they didn't invest well into their offensive line. Uh, the offensive line actually did take a step back this this season. They're now the 31st ranked offensive line in terms of pass block win rate according to ESPN standards. Uh, what else is true? Uh, the wide receiver one that they desperately needed, Calvin Ridley. Uh, I would say that there's a chance that they didn't know how to use him correctly. Uh, there I was would a, agree. A lot of discussion throughout the season about how little he was being used into the slot, how much they weren't hiding him, either in bunched, stacked formations, like putting him in motion. I mean, there are stats. I've written about it. Uh, go and check like Josh Norris from Underdog, John uh, John Shipley, who like writes. I mean, there are a number of people who have written about like how little Ben Solak from The Ringer. I mean, there have been a number of people that have written about just this disconnect in. All right. Well, it's almost like, well, we gave you the guy. And so now just Calvin Ridley. Just make it happen. Thing. Just make it happen. Just like and there was going to be like nothing after that. So I, I there's a lot of things that goes into. Uh, just making the entire offense work once you bring in a high-end target earner like Calvin Ridley. And to Lawrence's credit, like he has tried to make it work. Like Calvin Ridley has been, at least throughout most of the season, he has been like the wide receiver one, like from a targeting air yard perspective. But when he's, the, the routes that he's running and uh, like compared to and like also how much time Trevor Lawrence has to throw given the offensive line he has to work around, that creates problems. That creates chaos. So that's where you see guys like Christian Kirklick earning a bit more uh, before he wound up hurting himself. And then the same thing for Travis Etienne, like where he's turned into the RB1 that really I don't like. I know for my own purposes, I didn't really see Etienne having the same role 
mm-hmm. uh, like as like he's really turned out to have like throughout the season. So I think it's just a confluence of a lot of things. And if they wind up working on them throughout the offseason, maybe investing more on the offensive line, trying to work more on that uh, from a schematic and play calling standpoint, how they can get really involved. Then, yeah, I think like Lawrence can get back to where we thought he was going to be. It's just going to take a bit more scheming around in order to get it there. See, that's the kind of answer I like. It's not necessarily just all on Lawrence, right? It's all these little no, pieces no. floating around. All yeah. right. All right. That's not bad. I can. I have hope for them then. That sounds good. Now, Tampa Bay, I'll be kind, and I'm going to talk about the nice <laughs> things about this team. Like I said, as a Saints fan, it's hard to do, but uh-huh. we've got Rashad White, who I said last week has surprised me. I did not expect this continued usage as much as it's been. We've got Mike Evans, who every year people, I feel like, somewhat sleep on him. So Rashad White, we have Fantasy Life, has ranked seven and a half overall. And then we have Mike Evans, 15 overall. Is Baker Mayfield to blame here? Is he is Baker Mayfield good? Baker Mayfield is doing good things. And I would say that, uh, again, coaching matters. Uh, I, I do think that a lot of folks, and like myself included, when I saw it was like Baker Mayfield, uh going to the bucks and if you had to choose so like let's let's rewind all the way back to like august like Mm -hmm. june july august and if you had to draft one of the two main receivers chris godwin or mike evans and you knew it was going to be baker mayfield because i know they had the whole like baker mayfield versus kyle trask like stuff going Mm -hmm. on which was like nonsense to begin with but like if you had to pick one of those wide receivers to draft who would you have drafted godwin I think, yeah, I, I think, yeah. I, I think mean, every, everybody, thought, yeah, everybody thought that it was going to be, and like, it's turned out to be the case, uh, towards the back end of the season. Now that Godwin has like, he hasn't eclipsed Mike Evans from a target standpoint, but at least like the production, the production is now there in ways that we didn't really think was possible, but it was just that the thought process would be, Oh, it's just going to be Baker. It's just going to drop back quick passes, hit the slot guy, no deep targets. Mike Evans, like his thousand yard season streak, like might be in jeopardy. Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield's not going to be throwing it deep. I mean, all, all this stuff. But like I said, coaching matters. So Dave Canales, uh, the OC now for the Bucs, uh, the passing game coordinator, or no, former um, uh, for, uh, let's see, passing game coordinator, QB's coach, or OC, uh, former OC for the Seahawks, the same guy that helped re-engineer Geno Smith's comeback season from last year. I mean, they emphasize, like he emphasized, like trying to find what works best for his quarterback and like what works for him. And like we saw Geno Smith, like being able to work through the or work through his progressions, use some play action. And then he was aggressive. I mean, Geno Smith, like he had like one of his like highest like um, passing average depths of targets for his entire career, especially with DK, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So now you imprint that same type of philosophy, but instead of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So it's just like it, but instead of like saying that, oh, well, Baker Mayfield can't be the same passer as Geno Smith. Well, if you scheme around him, you allow him to work off play action. You allow him to get out of the pocket. You allow him to like focus on the boundary of the, like uh, the, uh, the sidelines or the, the perimeter of the, of the field instead of like working across the middle of the field, which again, like for his height, that's not always the best thing, but still like it allows him to generate or create some of those explosives. So I think like from that standpoint, it was just something that I overlooked and to see like Mike Evans already get past his thousand yard season, like 10 in a row hall of fame career, like for Mike Evans, but now also seeing like Chris Godwin also getting into the mix as well as uh, Mayfield's play action rate has continued to tick up over the past few weeks because he was dealing with a knee injury. I want to say around the week 11, 12 ish or week 10, 11, like time frame. like seeing all that, seeing this pass game become all the more efficient. And of course with, with Rashad, Wright, uh, Rashad Wright, Rashad White playing as yeah. well as he has. And we can talk about him in a second, but I think like hats off to Canales hats off to Mayfield for like really buying into the system and executing it. And then of course, like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, just being the excellent like dynamic duo that they are. Yeah. I mean, Evans has had what a touchdown in all, but one of his last six games, I believe. And he's had two of those games are 140 yards plus. So he's not stopping. Right. And so we have these three that I feel like you're comfortable starting each of them. I want to say Evans and white both made Barry's loveless this week. So yeah. Do you want to talk Rashad white? I mean, I feel like at this point, if you have him, you're starting him. You're, yeah. You're at this, the floor is, you know, pristine. 
the ceiling where are we at there we feel comfy I think from a so from a volume perspective, like Rashad White is one of six running backs in the entire league with a team rushing rate over 60%. That I mean it's only like it's him, CMC, Josh Jacobs, Joe Mixon, Travis Etienne, and I forget who this I think that's him. Yeah. So then White would be the six. So yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh only Christian McCaffrey uh runs like more routes per drop back uh, uh for like his first quarterback. And then uh, White's 12, I think it's like around a 12% target share is behind only CMC, Jacobs, and ETN. Jeez. So it's like, you're you're not, like that is RB1 workload. I mean, and we, I understand that a lot of folks thought that maybe like uh, Keyshawn Vaughn or I don't know, whomever was going to be working behind him, like might wind up stealing carries. They could re-sign Leonard Fournette, like all this other stuff. But like White has actually proven after last season having, let's say, like a mediocre uh, like rookie campaign, like from an efficiency standpoint. I mean, he has shown to be like at least a a powerful runner, like a mildly efficient runner as well, and then capable of earning targets and and working with him after the catch. So I think like from a just from a workload standpoint, like he has to be like in your RB one slot for sure. Yeah, like when we talk about, we were just saying with Jacksonville and maybe not utilizing some of their players in the way that they are built for. Here we have White, who's kind of fallen right into the perfect place, right? It's like the puzzle yeah. piece. They're using him correctly. His talent is being shown. And so, yeah, he's been flourishing. And anybody who drafted him, I have to imagine, is doing well if you're still in it. Um, before we end this off, let's pick one last win. I'm just because, you know, as a Saints fan, I got to go Jaguars, even though I'm going to be honest. I'm going to do it like you did earlier in the last okay. one. All right. I kind of feel like the Bucks are going to win it, but I'm going to manifest and I'm going to just say Jags. So okay. let's go with I, it. What you got? I feel like the Bucks are going to win as well, just because yeah. at this point, I mean, uh, Trevor Lawrence hasn't practiced yet. I know that's still possible for him to work through the per concussion protocol. I know like Brock Purdy did it in like five days or I forget mm -hmm. what the timeline was for him to get back. Uh, so I, I think it's still possible for him to play, but it's looking more and more like CJ Beathard is going to be the one under center for the Jags this week. And I would say that's fairly oh, well, and, and not just the fact that CJ Beathard is going to be under center. Zay Jones is working through a hamstring injury. So really like your pass catching core is going to be Calvin Ridley and as a uh, Calvin Ridley and Parker Washington, not, I mean, it's not really what you really want, mm -hmm. like for, from a pass catching standpoint. So a lot of volume. Uh, from a DFS standpoint, I love like Ridley's cost. I think on DraftKings, he's like 6,300 for this week. But it's just like we're, we might see a lot of Jamal Agnew getting uh, getting targets, uh, like Travis Etienne getting targets. I mean, they'll they'll try and like scheme and like window dress and game this thing up as much as possible uh, to take a lot of pressure off of Beathard. But in the end, I think with the way the Bucks are playing with, I mean, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and like like we were just talking about, I, I think the Bucks take I think the Bucks take this one. Ah, I think you're right. I just don't want to put that out there. You know what I mean? I know. Put it out I there. know. I know. Ah, and the time that this airs, we'll already know if the Saints won or not. Yeah. All right. Who dat? Chris, who dat? Yes. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in to the Fantasy Life Podcast matchups episode. Be sure and hit that like and subscribe button so you don't miss any more episodes. If you're looking for any more analysis, if you're looking for some help with your start sits for the weekend heading in, um, you know, you just go to fantasylife.com, real simple. Check out our tools. We've got stuff for your weekly lineup questions. We have a start sit tool. We have a trade writer. We have waiver hub. Just go there, check it out. There's a lot more tools there as well. And of course, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our newsletter where you can read articles from Chris, as well as all of our other analysis, uh, analysis analysts and me and the rest of the incredible fantasy life team. Good luck this weekend, and guys, we'll see you in week 17.